Good morning. I don't know why Ashley prayed for Chad, because I am Peter. Today I ask that God speaks through me. Chad has been talking a lot about me the last several weeks. He's done an okay job. It's not his best. But I'm here to tell you about me this morning. You see, last week Chad left off at the worst part of my life. And today I want to tell you about the best part of my life. But here's the thing. Uh, Chad asked me to come and speak to you. And since I am one of the first leaders of the church, usually churches say, come, talk as long as you want. You can stay all day. But Chad said, you only have 25 minutes. And so make sure that you're succinct and to the point. And so I can't give you the whole story about my life. But let me give you some quick background information if you don't remember what Chad said or if you haven't been here. I was a fisherman, pretty regular guy, kind of like you people, and I was living a pretty normal life for over 30 years, and then one day I met a guy named Jesus. I instantly thought Jesus was really cool. Have you ever been around people where you just, you just want to know them? You just think, wow, you're, you're more awesome than me, and so will you be my friend so I can feel more awesome, you know? And, and so I saw this in Jesus, and, and he, he just said, hey... How you doing? And I said, wow, you're fantastic. And, and, and then I went back home and he didn't say anything other than, than just a few words to me. But, but then about a week later, Jesus came to my hometown and he performed a miracle and I was impressed and I fell down on my, my knees and I started to worship him. I, I don't know why I did that so quickly, but it was just so impressive. And then Jesus looked at me and he said something that, that seemed so small and insignificant, but changed my life forever. He looked at me and said, come and follow me. I don't know what got into me. I can be a little bit impulsive, but I looked at Jesus and I said, okay, sure, I'll follow you. And I got up and I left everything to go around with him. Now, you don't know what this means to be a disciple. That's the word that we use. In your culture, you don't have disciples like we did back then. But a disciple for us simply meant that that we went with somebody and lived with them and served them and were able to learn from them. And so when I got up and I left that fishing boat, my life was forever changed because I just started following Jesus around wherever He went, helping Him in His ministry, learning from His sermons and from all the things that He told us behind closed doors. I did this for about three years. And I'll tell you what. I don't know if you guys can fathom it today, but those three years with Jesus made me love Him so much. I mean, just to be around Him, it was absolutely incredible. The things that we heard, the things that we saw as His disciples were so amazing. But but even though He had the ability to take over the whole world, you know what? Every time He looked at me and talked to me, I felt like He cared about me more than anyone else in the whole world. Jesus wasn't just this person that I thought might be the Savior of the world and the King of the world. He really was my very best friend, the best friend that I had ever had, and He was closer to me than even my own brothers. So we're walking around and we're blessed every day by the things Jesus is doing. I mean, He feeds 5,000 people with just a few loaves of, of bread and a few fish. It was incredible. 
You people read it in the Bible sometimes and you go, oh, that's nice, but I was there and I know how much fish we had and I know how much bread and there were so many people and then everybody was fed. We saw things like that all the time. He's healing people. He's raising people from the dead. It was incredible. And then after about three years, we're sitting upstairs in a a little room. We're celebrating the Passover, the time when, when we remember that God brought the Jewish people, my people, out of the land of Israel by miracles. And He took us out in the desert and promised us that we would be His nation, that we would have land. And we went up in, in this room to celebrate that and what He did at Passover. And then everything started to change. Out of nowhere, Jesus looked at us and said, you're all going to leave me. You're all going to betray me. I just told you how much I love Jesus. That was unfathomable to me. I mean, that, that was impossible to me. There was no way that I was leaving Jesus. And so I looked at him and I said, Nope, not happening, Jesus. I, I will die for you if I have to. And then it got worse because Jesus looked at me again and said, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you will deny me three times. I looked at him again and said, Jesus, you haven't been wrong in three years, but this time you are wrong because I will die for you. I mean, think about it. Think about it from your perspective. Somebody loves you and you love them and and you've spent so much time with them over the last three years, a best friend, a spouse, a family member, and they look at you and say, you're going to say that you don't know me. Wouldn't you have done what I did and say you have to be wrong? That cannot be the case because I love you and I'm fully devoted to you. But I was embarrassed (laughs) deep down. Jesus had never been wrong before, and I started to worry a little bit that he might be right. Then he took us out into this olive grove. We hung out there. You call it the Garden of Gethsemane. We went there a lot, and 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 we'd go out there, and we'd pray, and we'd hang out, and have bonfires, and and do all the things that guys do together. And uh, Well, not all the things, but all the things that Christian guys should do together anyway. And and we're out there in that olive garden, and and Jesus takes me and and two of the other disciples, and and he says, let's go off in in the distance and pray. It was weird, because after three years, I thought I knew every emotion of Jesus. I mean, every day I had spent with him, and I knew the things that he said. I could guess what was going to happen next. Sometimes he'd surprise me, but I could kind of guess. But on that night, there was a heaviness to Jesus that I had never experienced. Not just never experienced with him, but never experienced with any other person. It was a sadness and a gloom and, like I said, a heaviness that, that was just beyond anything that I knew. But Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go pray alone by myself. You stay here and pray. He went off and we had had a really long day. Most of our days were really long days when we were following Jesus because everybody wanted to be around him and know him and have him do miracles and hear from his teaching. And so we were constantly working My eyes got really heavy on that night, and I fell asleep. Jesus came back once and said, Hey, Peter, why are you sleeping? Can't you just stay awake and and pray? And I said, I didn't say anything. He went away again, and I I immediately fell asleep again. 
didn't seem like a big deal at the time, to be honest with you. I mean, you've done it, right? You've fallen asleep while you're praying and figured, well, I'll pray in the morning, Jesus. I'll get up early tomorrow and say my prayers. But it did matter because the next thing that I knew, the religious leaders and guards were coming to arrest Jesus. I had promised Jesus that I would die for him, and I meant it when I said it. I saw all the men, and I said, oh man, this is bad. There's just a handful of us, and there's a lot of them, and they have weapons. But I had a sword, and so I pulled my sword out, and I struck the ear of one of the men. And in my head, I was saying, Jesus, I will die for you right now. And then Jesus looked at me and said, Peter not what I'm here for. I don't come to start a war. And he healed the man's ear. I was embarrassed. (laughs) I was ashamed, really. I was scared because I had committed assault against a religious leader. So I shrunk back and I watched as they took Jesus and arrested him. But I was bound and determined to stick with my promise, to follow Him unto death. And so at a distance, I I continued to go where He was going, which was the high priest's home for a trial. And I followed Him, and I stayed outside in the courtyard. And what happened next is still hard for me to talk about even to this day. One of the servants of the high priest came up to me and said, you're one of his followers. And I looked at her and I said, no, I'm not. Scared I was going to be arrested. I was scared I would be in trouble. They were already beating Jesus and I could hear the things that were being said in the upper room that he was in. And I just said, no, I didn't. I didn't want to be asked again because I didn't want to deny Jesus again. And so I started to walk away from where Jesus was and I went out into the entrance of the courtyard. And I figured nobody is going to ask me again here. The guilt was already in me to a certain degree, but I was trying not to think about what I had just done and I was still determined to be willing to die for Jesus. And that servant girl, not a powerful guard or religious leader, that servant girl followed me and came up to me again and said, I know you know him. And I said, no, I don't. A couple of other people who were standing around warming themselves by the fire heard her say it. And when she said it, they recognized me. You see, I was from a different state, if you will, to put it in your words. And and so they saw that I was in somebody from out of town and I was hanging out in the high priest courtyard and so they looked at me and they said, surely you are one of his, his followers. And I looked at them and said, you are lying. You are wrong. If you are right, then let me be cursed because what you are saying is not true. 
And then I heard the sound I'll never forget. The rooster that Jesus had promised crowed. And at that very same moment, they were leading Jesus to the Roman government to put him on trial for execution. And he turned. He looked directly into my eyes. I fell down. I fell down on the ground and I wept. And I wept. That's where the story stops in, in the Bible. But the truth is, I was still watching from a distance as they beat Jesus, as they whipped Jesus, and as they hung Him on a cross. And a big part of me thought, could I have stopped this? Could I have changed this? What if I would have said, yes, I know him? What if I would have been willing to go on trial with him? Would things have been different? He died on that cross and they put him in a grave. And for two days, I went away by myself and I pondered those questions and I dealt with the guilt. Didn't even know if I could pray because the one I wanted to pray to was the one whom I had denied right before his death. I lived with it. And then after two days, everything changed again. But this time for the better. I was hanging out with the other disciples. We were hanging out, trying to talk about what we did next. People knew us. People recognized us. We didn't know if we were going to be arrested, if we were going to get in trouble. And all of a sudden, two of, two of the women who had followed Jesus for years came into the room and said, the body of Jesus is gone. I think that the Roman soldiers have taken Him away. You know what I did? I started running. I started running to that tomb as fast as I could possibly run. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it was just just to, to see if it was true. I, I don't really know if I wanted so badly for Him to be alive. I don't know if I, I wanted an opportunity to go and fight the Romans who had stolen Him so that I could feel connected to Jesus. But I ran to the tomb and when I got there I walked in. And I saw something crazy. The burial clothes that they had put Jesus in were laying right where they had left Him. But the body was not there. It was as if Jesus had disappeared from those clothes. I didn't know what to think. But I'll tell you what I wanted to think. Jesus got out of the grave. It wasn't until a couple days later that I knew for sure. You may not know this. You can read just a, a quick line about it in, in Luke chapter 24. But Jesus appeared to me before He appeared to any of the other disciples. I didn't record in, in the Word of God what was said in that moment. And I'm not going to tell you now because it was one of the, the most intimate, hard, difficult, exciting, wonderful conversations that I've ever had in my whole life. 
in those moments, as Jesus looked in my eyes again, I looked in those eyes back that I never thought I would look in again after denying Him. And He offered me forgiveness. It was one of the most incredible things that I have ever experienced in my entire life. I looked at Jesus and I said, I'm sorry. Jesus looked at me and forgave me. But that wasn't it. Jesus kind of disappeared on me. It was crazy what was happening after he got out of that grave. He would appear and disappear and appear and disappear. And, and, and one day, several weeks later, we were out fishing. We didn't really know what we were supposed to do now. I mean, Jesus was alive. We were excited. We were happy. But we didn't really have any purpose because he would kind of disappear. And we're out on a boat and we're fishing and I'm I'm jumping down in to grab the fish off of the nets. That's how we did it. And, and, I, and so I'm jumping in and I'm swimming around. And, and all of a sudden, we hear from the, from the land. Somebody yell out. We're about 100 yards out. Somebody yells out to us, Hey, drop your nets on the other side. We hadn't caught anything the whole day. It's funny because I was really a good fisherman, but every time you read about me fishing in your Bible, I never catch anything. So just know that I, I was pretty good at it most of the time. So we hear this voice and he says, drop it on the other side. And so we take the nets out and say, okay, whatever. And we drop it in the other side. And then one of the guys with me goes, hey, that's Jesus. And you have to understand my excitement. Every time that I got to see Jesus... After that denial was exciting. It was like the happiest moment of my life. It was like you going to Disneyland every single time. And so I did what any person would do. I jumped and started swimming to the shore. It's true. I knew that they couldn't turn that thing around. And I wanted to get to Jesus. And I swam and I swam and I swam. And I got there. And then they had already gotten there just a little bit behind me. But I got there to see Jesus first. Then Jesus told me to go and, and get the fish. And, and this is the thing, after we had dropped the net on the other side, the, the net was so full that it took six men to pick it up and get it onto the boat. But guess what? When Jesus told me to go get the net, you know what I did? I did it by myself. I was like, Jesus wants me to work. I want to hang out with Him. <sighs> Superhuman strength. And I put the fish down. I brought Him a couple. And I said, Jesus, let's hang out. You know, I mean, I'm here. Let's hang out. I just love to be around you. You gave me that forgiveness and that kindness. Let's hang out. And we shared a meal together. Here's the thing. I was excited. And I was, I was so happy that the last moment that I spent with Jesus was not a moment of denial. It was a great moment. But all of a sudden, Jesus did something better for me. He said, hey, Peter, I want to talk to you. And he pulled me aside. And he looked at me. And he asked me a question that, that, you know, kind of bothered me a little, but, but I understood. He said, Peter, do you love me? I said, yeah, Jesus. You know that I love you. And he said, then Peter, feed my sheep. And he looked at me again and said, hey, Peter, do you really love me? And I said, Jesus, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus looked at me again and said, Peter, do you really, really love me? And I was kind of hurt. I felt like Jesus didn't believe me. 
They didn't know that I really loved him. Hadn't he seen me swim to the shore so fast? Of course I love you, Jesus, I said to him. And he said, Peter, feed my sheep. Here's the truth I didn't understand at the time. Jesus was giving me an opportunity to say that I loved him three times, just like the three times I had denied him so clearly. He was offering me a new level of forgiveness in that moment. But beyond that, He was commissioning me to be one of the first leaders of the church that you are still a part of today. When He said, feed my sheep, what He meant was take care of the people who are going to be my followers by leading my church. I want you to grasp this with me. You look at me... And you think, wow, Peter's an awesome guy. Don't you? I mean, when you read the Bible, don't you just kind of go, wow, that Peter, what a stud. He walked on water. I did that, you know. Do you remember that story? I walked on water. Pretty cool. You've studied it, but you haven't walked on water like I did. And you kind of look at me and you think, Peter, cool. But when Jesus commissions me to lead his church, I want you to know how I saw me. I saw me as the guy who had fallen into the water. And I saw me as the guy who had done so many dumb things through my three years with Jesus. And most of all, I saw me as a person who had blatantly denied and betrayed the person that I believed to be my Lord and my Savior. And now Jesus was looking at me and saying, hey, lead my church. The grace And forgiveness that that represents is beyond anything that the world has ever known. But the story even gets better. It even gets better. Jesus keeps appearing to us and disappearing and appearing. But on on the last day that that happened, He looks at us, the disciples, and He says, Hey, you now have a job to do. Here's your job. Your job is to help other people be My followers too. And to baptize them. But then He said something odd. He said, Hey, Don't start doing that until I send the Holy Spirit upon you. And then, He ascended into heaven. We're looking up, saying, is He going to reappear this time? Is He going to reappear this time? And two angels all of a sudden were standing next to us and said, He's not coming back. Go wait for Him in Jerusalem. And and so we went to Jerusalem and we started praying. Okay, Jesus is, is back and we're happy and excited and He's given us a huge job to do. How are we going to help people be followers of Jesus when He's never going to come back again? But we sat there and we prayed. We contemplated what it might mean, the Holy Spirit. We had read about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And every now and then, the Holy Spirit would come upon some people and they would do some super things. Just kind of in random moments in the history of our faith, the Holy Spirit would descend on somebody and they would be super strong or they would be able to kill 5,000 warriors by themselves and things like that. And, And so we're kind of wondering, what's this going to look like? And then, all of a sudden, we're praying. And we see things that look like, if you can just picture this in your head, it's hard to describe, tongues of fire. Uh, tongue, fire. Put the two together and that's what you have. And these things descend upon us and we realize it's the Holy Spirit and all of us, this is going to sound crazy to you Baptists, start speaking a different language. 
There was a lot of people in Jerusalem at that time. They were they were coming to celebrate one of our festivals. And apparently we were so loud that the people on the outside heard us. And they came up to the house we were in and said, What is going on here? This is even going to sound crazier to you. But, but they all heard us in their own language because they were from all over the world. And then I, Peter, betrayer of Jesus, stood up and preached a sermon. I didn't spend 20 hours practicing. I didn't have any knowledge beyond my regular knowledge that day. But I got up and I preached a sermon. And you want to hear something really crazy? I was preaching to an audience of people who spoke different languages than me. No interpreter. You're not wowed right now. Different languages, right? I'm speaking to them and I'm preaching. And I say these amazing things that you're going to talk about in your connect groups this week. I say these amazing things, right? We don't have time to get into them. And guess what happens? 3,000 people decide to be followers of Jesus. 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord. They believe what I say that Jesus had died for their sins. They believe what I say that Jesus had risen again to set them free from sin and death and that they could have eternal life in Him. Now, if you don't think it's crazy that 3,000 people accepted Jesus, even though I hadn't prepared a sermon and, and I was speaking to people who spoke different languages, consider this, in the middle of my sermon, I said some pretty offensive things about them. I said, hey, you killed Jesus. You did it. And yet, they still believed what I said. Here's the thing that I want you people to know. This is why I came today. This is why I agreed to be here and speak, even though Chad limited my amount of time. I want you to hear this. Oftentimes, in Christianity today, and even in your church, you limit the power of the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Christians in the world today get really hung up at the death of Jesus. They look at it and they say, well, Jesus died for me and I can be forgiven for my sins. But I'll tell you, when I watched Jesus die, I felt like the most wretched sinner in the world. But when He got out of the grave and He came to me and said, Peter, you're forgiven. And then He looked at me and said, Peter, you're going to lead my church. And then He sent the Holy Spirit and allowed me, wretched Peter, to get up and preach and be used by Him. I felt excited. And I knew that there was a power that was beyond me, that was at work in me, because I had chosen to be a follower of Jesus. What I want you to hear today is that you you got to get past the, oh yes, Jesus died for me. And you need to look at God and say, if I give my life to you, then your Holy Spirit has descended upon me. And now I have the power not to remove a few sins, not to be a little bit better of a spouse. Not to be a better friend to people. Not to go to church, but to change the world. When Jesus went into that grave, I felt horrible. But when He got out, I recognized that there was a power beyond me in this world. The power of God. And what I want you to know today as a church and as individuals is that that same power is available to you. 
I was Peter, a fisherman who denied Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. And you're you who has a job and a life. But if you give your life to Jesus and you do believe that He died and rose again, and if the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you have the power to change the world. Stop being a person that goes, oh, woe is me. I can't give up this sin or that sin. I I just wish I could do a little bit more for Jesus. And say, hey, (laughs) I can change the world. I can lead 3,000 people to Jesus in one day because that power has come upon my life. The resurrection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's descending upon my life changed absolutely everything. And it should change absolutely everything for you. Will you pray with me? Lord, Jesus, Messiah, I thank you that for all of us in this room, (laughs) you offered forgiveness. Father, every time that these people sin, they betray you. They deny your existence, Lord. They make the cross necessary. But Lord, you did not stay in the cross, on the cross. You you didn't stay in the grave. You rose again. Lord, I know it firsthand that you got out of that grave. And I know firsthand the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that they would know it in their lives. God, I pray that they would not make you a dead Savior with their attitudes and with their heart. But God, they would make you the risen Savior. The, the Savior who sent His Holy Spirit to change the world, Lord. Let us stop being on the defensive trying to hang on. God, let us stop being people who go, if I can just avoid, avoid, and if I can just save off the devil just a little bit longer. And let us be people, God, who say, what can we accomplish with the power of a risen Savior and the Holy Spirit? Lord, let us not act like you never got out of the grave, but let us act in truth, God recognizing the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit every single day of our lives. We love you, God. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us despite our betrayals. (laughs) And Lord, we thank you for wanting to use us in such miraculous and powerful ways. Amen.